Ephesians 6, and we'll start in 10. You guys all know this really well. Uh, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And I like it because it says His might. Because so often we think that it needs to be our might. And uh, um, our might is really pretty pitiful. So... um, Having it be His might is is really a a grand thing. Uh, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And uh, I like that He, uh, in this passage, He uses He He calls it the whole armor twice. He doesn't just say the armor; He says the whole armor. Reason being, this this word uh, uh, panoply. Is it means the the full set, the entire array, all of it. So it wouldn't do you a whole lot of good if you put your helmet on, but you didn't have your breastplate and your and your uh, shield and your shoes and everything else. So so the sense of the the whole armor is a is a really great thing because you need you need all the pieces. And he says we wrestle, and, and he says that this is that we may stand against the wiles of the devil, and, and this, this word wiles uh, is is a is a good word I think. This word is like mind or or thoughts, and so uh, you know I I it, this passage the scripture always makes me think of how it says that uh, in Second Corinthians where he talks about. Uh, not being ignorant of Satan's devices, and that's not the same word. And I, because I thought it might be, and and uh, that word is more about methods and that kind of thing, which of course is is, uh, is it fits here. But I like how he says that we can stand against the 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 wiles of the devil, his thoughts, his purposes, and and I like that he calls them wiles because it just sounds bad. You know, sounds like. Uh, it makes me think of uh, the coyote chasing the roadrunner and all of his his uh, uh, malice, poorly thought out malice, and uh, that that always blows up in his face. So, I like that. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I like the way that this is in the margin, the way they put it. It says, uh, against the rulers of darkness, against wicked spirits in heavenly places. So, kind of makes it seem a little, a little more clear to me. Because we, um, you know, spiritual wickedness just sounds so general and, and so faceless. Um, like talking about good versus evil, but when it when you talk about wicked spirits in heavenly places, then it seems more specific to me. And and when you're in a in a battle, have you ever wished that you ever wished you could just see what you were fighting so you could just hit it in the face? Yes. <laughs> and, no, and and I like this because it to me it gives it that sense of uh, being that specific, even though you still can't see it. It's like this is 
Because so many of the things that we go through, it's not just some general, oh, spiritual wickedness. It is this wicked spirit, this voice that, that wants to fight with you about whatever it might be. And, and so it's important to remember that we wrestle against that. Because so often um, we can get frustrated with something that somebody said. We can get frustrated with something that somebody did. Uh, we can make some snap judgment because somebody had a funny look on their face. And, and all of a sudden we're wrestling against flesh and blood. And, and we're upset at somebody over something. Something that may be something, something that may be nothing. But, uh, you know, in either case, it doesn't do much uh, good or make much sense really to fight with the people that are on your side. That's right. You know, uh, in that movie, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but they, you know, they, they lose men trying to find this guy. And by the time they find him, they're all pretty, they already have their minds made up. They don't like him. Yeah. And, and that he's worthless. And he's not worth what they've paid already. And, uh, and then they end up having to fight a superior force. And all of a sudden, now they like him. You know, now they understand that, you know what, as much as, you know, maybe he gets on my nerves or, or whatever I may think about him, he, he's on my team. And and that and that's way more valuable than fighting with him because I don't like him. Which is a precious thing because um, any good tactician realizes that the best thing you can do against your enemy is to turn if you can get them to fight against themselves. If you have if you have infighting, then the the whole thing falls apart. So, but we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's not about that. Uh, against principalities and powers, rulers of darkness of this world, and wicked spirits in heavenly places. So that we, you know, what if it isn't somebody that said something to you? What if it's just a voice? You know, we get plenty of that, and uh, and it's interesting because because it says that it's in heavenly places, and it's talking about the spirit, and and you know. The interesting thing about that voice that you hear is it doesn't sound like anybody's voice in particular, usually. It's just a voice. And, you know, um, there are people I talk to on the phone that even if I didn't have, even if I didn't know it was them, I would know it was them as soon as they started talking. I would recognize their voice. And so uh, there are people that I talk to. I, I know what we're going to talk about when I pick up the phone. And so, uh, or when I call them, I, I have a purpose in mind, so I know, of course, what we're going to talk about. But um, So the content of what the voice has to say uh, is really telling on where the voice is coming from. And that's why we try it with the Word of God. And that's why we, we have these, these, these tools that we're going to talk about here. So he says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. He uses that same word again. So you want all the pieces that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And I like that because sometimes just standing against something is, is really what you need to do. Because sometimes 
you know, there's, you know, Solomon said that there's a time for this, there's a time for that. And there, there's a time for taking the battle to the gate. There's a time for withstanding. And, you know, if you are in your own city and being besieged, you can't very well be fighting against their gates because they're somewhere else. But standing against the things that uh, that come at us is a is a, an imperative thing, and and it's something that we that we we do together. You know, when he when Paul is writing these things, uh, you know, the the Roman army was the most amazing military power ever, and they fought together. They they and they had these units that. Uh, they had these shields that they would put them together and they looked like uh, like a turtle, you know, and nothing could get through it, you know. And if I could make another movie reference, if you've ever seen Gladiator, it's really instructive on how well those guys fought together and how they worked together and uh, and how that, you know, that's what we should be doing. You know, we we should work together that well. But he says that you want to take to you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. And I like that he starts there. He starts with truth. Yeah. You know, for one thing, it's the first thing that you put on, but, but it's something that um, if, if you don't start with truth, then you've got all kinds of chinks in your armor. And it's not really going to stop much of anything. Be like, uh, be like being cold and putting, and somebody hands you an afghan. You're like, really? It's like this is an oversized doily. Give me a blanket. You know? Or maybe they hand you a, you know, olive-skinned man with a, a beard and a turban. But... Thank you, thank you. I was kind of reaching there. Um, I'm tired this morning. Sorry. Okay. So, stand therefore, having your loins girded about the truth. You need truth because the the voices that come against you will try and gain entrance with a little grain of truth, a little a little something that seems true, or if not true, at least really plausible. And so, so you want to keep. You want to keep the truth as close to you as possible, and and, and hold to it because um, because you you want that defense against falsehood. So he says, stand therefore with your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. And of course, the breastplate covers covers your heart, and and it it covers all your your important stuff. And it says that. Uh, and he calls it the breastplate of righteousness. So this, the the righteousness that you uh, that you have comes from Christ. And and even when we're not talking about the sense of armor, we all understand that you put on the righteousness of Christ. That you take it to yourself by faith. That it's something that you put on. Uh, and it's and the way he's talking about it here, it's a defense against. Against the the accusations of of the enemy, it's a it's a it's a defense against the um, the 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 wiles of, of the devil because he comes to you and says, well, you're all this and that, and you you know what about 
this thing that happened 30 years ago and, and whatever. And it's like, well, you know, actually, uh, I'm righteous in Him. I'm righteous by faith because I have His merit, not mine. So that would be my breastplate. So that's a pretty good breastplate to have on, His righteousness. You can't really get much better than that. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Everywhere you go, peace. Everywhere your foot goes, you know. And and this and this defense because didn't uh, uh, in Genesis um, God said that uh, that the serpent would bruise the woman's heel. And, and uh, but he said that she'll crush her, crush his head. So nothing like having a really good pair of boots on to stomp on something unpleasant. Or if you're a lady, maybe some really nice stiletto heels and really puncture it good. But uh, either way, exactly, either way this thing works. And and it's the gospel of peace. Not, not because that's what God intends for us to have. And there will be days that everything will be right in your relationship with God. There will be days you're doing everything the way God would have you do it. And something will be going on in your life that you will feel anxious. And and then that's where these wiles of the devil start coming in. It's like they're you know, it's like it's like, oh, you don't feel this this immeasurable peace of that passes all understanding. Um and you know, you're just it's Tuesday morning and you're at work just doing your thing and, and your life is so ordinary and you just feel like, there must be something wrong with you. you know? And then comes the breastplate. Then comes the, the loins girded with truth and, and all that. And, and the gospel of peace. I said, well, actually, a uh, long time ago, uh, the angels were singing uh, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Because God's purposes for me are, are good. It's peace. And I know you don't like it, that's that's too bad, but um, you had your shot. Too bad. So, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you should be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. We have this book called uh, "Will uh, God's Mighty Warrior." It's this little children's book about this boy that uh, fancies himself this great warrior. Uses his, his imagination and. Uh, Keeps the backyard safe for uh, for his little sister so she can play. And uh, as the story goes on, they, his parents are talking to him about the armor. And uh, um, and the, one of the first things that his dad actually talks to him about is the shield. He's like, well, shield? That's kind of boring. He's like, what are you going to do with the shield? And he's like, well, actually, this is a pretty cool shield because it stops flaming arrows. He's like, whoa, that's pretty cool. It's like, right? So... And I like because he says above all, you know, because it's it's great to have armor, and it's great to have, you know, the the the, the greaves on your legs and your arms and all that stuff. But uh, wouldn't you feel better if you had a shield? That all that stuff has to get through first. I mean, it just it just makes sense. And so he says above all, the shield of faith because. 
in order to put this armor on requires faith and uh, and to to use it requires faith because all of these things are talking about they're it's all about standing you know and and so uh, I don't know about you but I like everything to be really smooth and and happy and pleasant I like to get up and you know, the birds are chirping and the sun is shining and you know, dew in the spider webs and, you know, the blue bird of happiness is on my shoulder, you know. It's like, you know, I just kind of want to like jump up and click my heels on the way out to the car, you know. I like those kind of days. You know, not every day is like that. And there, uh, you know, there are days, sometimes we go through seasons, years maybe, where like, well, there's another day. And you, you make your little check mark on the thing and you, you suit up and you, you go to work. You know, and, and so that's how uh that's how life works. But this shield of faith uh I mean 'cause he's he obviously he's begun, you know, uh at the most inward thing and moved out as he's describing this armor. But this this shield is is going to be uh, well not quite but almost the first line of defense against the things that the that the enemy brings against you because uh, if you've ever you know watched a a good movie with a guy with like guys fighting with swords and stuff they have like a shield and then they have the sword and so there's even if you didn't have a shield say you lost your shield or whatever you can defend yourself with a sword as well as as attack with it. And so he says that this shield uh, is able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. And he also says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You know, uh, this word uh, take uh, is kind of an easy word to overlook because, you know, obviously you need to take it and put it on. But what this word means specifically is to take a hold of something. Like to, to receive it and hold on to it. To apprehend it for yourself. And so that's what we have to do with salvation. And the Bible says that that faith is a gift of God and, and that His uh, his merit um, is, is the thing that we trust in. That He says to take the helmet of salvation. So you so you you hold on to it, and uh, you know there might be times you're going to have to hold on to it and and you know hold it on your head. That's why a helmet's come with a strap because you may, you might need it. So so he says to take the helmet of salvation, and, and of course that covers your head. And the thing is is this this sense of salvation is the thing that the devil always wants to fight with you about. It's like, oh well, you know, are you saved? When did you get saved? What day was it? What time was it? Uh, you know, what position were you sitting in? You know, what direction were you facing? You know, were you breathing in or out? You know, it's like, who cares? You know, it's like who cares? It's like actually, I I have the helmet on, and. And I, I I have overcome by the, the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. And 
you know, I know some people that have these very dramatic come in one way, leave another kind of thing. And I know people that there's just kind of this gradual thing where you just look back and it's like, wow, I'm not the same. You know, and so the enemy always wants to fight with, okay, well, what day was it? When did it happen? Where are you at? How old are you? It's like, well, who cares? I, I'm in the house. I'm in the house. I'm, I'm in the kingdom. I'm in the army, in fact. You hear my, my armor jiggling and rattling around as I get out my sword? You know, I love that sound, that shink. Such a great sound. I have a sword on my desk at work. Literally. It's about this big. But, uh, and it is, in fact, a letter opener. But, uh, but my son knew that I needed a sword. So he got me a sword. And I every time I get a chance to like actually open an envelope, I'm like, yes. <laughs> Sweet, get out my sword and just kinda of play with it. <laughs> and I wonder why yeah, and I wonder why Mike puts his headphones on. The playing with the sword and the slurping the coffee thing. So. Uh it's always a blow when you find out you're not perfect. Like, dang it, I, I do weird things that get on people's nerves? Dang it, I had no idea. So, if that happened to you recently, then then you're in good company. Um, so, so we, we hold on to this, this salvation. This, it's like this thing covers my head, and I am I am holding on to it. I've got this thing strapped on, and and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, which is, of course, the thing that not only can you defend yourself with it, but you can fight back. And <clears throat> typically, um, when it comes to a bully wanting to abuse you, you're probably going to have to hit them back at some point. Or they're going to hurt you and be satisfied that they've hurt you enough and they'll go away for now. You know? And, uh, you know, when I was growing up, my dad always encouraged me to fight with them. I always told him, well, they're all six inches taller than me and, and outweigh me by 50%, so I'd rather not. Uh, and I often wonder, you know, what if I would have just hauled off and hit that guy in the face? What would have happened? You know? It's like, uh, I wonder if I could have saved myself years of abuse by just hitting somebody. And I'm like, well, it's like, yeah, actually, you don't want to mess with Greg because he'll like, he kind of snapped on this guy one time, you know. I, so you know, but obviously that's neither here nor there. I've kind of lost that opportunity now. I, I yeah, sort of. There, there is the kid down the street that was yelling obscenities at me one morning, and, and it was really, I really, really wanted to hurt him. I wished that I could. I really, really wished that I could physically harm him, uh, in, you know, in a, in a way that would require a visit to the hospital. But I understood that he was a minor, for one thing. So, and and because I am not a minor, uh, I didn't really want to have no one's jumpsuit. So. That, that was definitely a resurrection morning because my flesh was, it was all there. Uh, plus, I was just surprised. It's like, I'm, 
almost 40. It's been a long time since anybody just started, like, picking on me like kids do. Like, who does that? Of course, this is also the doofus I was telling you about last weekend that was running in the snow in his underwear. So, I really wish that I could have, like, somehow, like, barred him from getting back in his house. That would have been... I don't know. I have dreams about, like, getting locked out of my house in my underwear. I can't imagine doing it on purpose in real life. <laughs> anyway. So, um, so of course, Jesus fought with the sword of the Spirit. He gave us this great example uh, in Matthew 4, uh, where he was in the wilderness, uh, tormented of the devil. And, and he, 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 he parried and thrusted with the Word of God. And uh, and so we have that example because you know we, uh, I like how how people talk about the Bible being a hate book because it's not necessarily a hate book but it, it is quite militant you know it has this sense of resisting the devil till he till he flees from you and and I I really really appreciate that scripture because because it's a promise that that. You resist him, and he will. You know, I don't know how many times in my own life I, I thought I was, you know, this this voice would come to me, like, "Be gone! I don't believe in you." You know, and then it's still there. And um, and I thought, "Oh no, it didn't work." <laughs> now I'm in trouble. But the thing about resisting something and until until it flees, you have to keep fighting with it, and, and it doesn't feel good. But it's a it's a precious thing, and and on the other side of it, uh, there is indeed peace, and, uh, and God knows that we need those things. Uh, go over with me to First Corinthians thirteen, real quick. Wrap up with this. You know, because as we we talk about the you know defending ourselves from the 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 all the, the fiery darts of the wicked and all that stuff, you know it's interesting that he calls them fiery darts because not only does it if it gets through your defenses, not only does it pierce you but it burns. And and there are things that we encounter that burn. That it's like man, um, it's like I just can't shake that. I just can't shake that thing, that idea, and uh, <clears throat> and so the precious thing is is that uh, that God loves us in a in a way that is is beyond what we can really grasp, and that a lot of this 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 uh, sense of faith that that. Holds on to, that holds to the armor that uses the armor. A lot of it is about holding to the fact that God loves me, yes. and because that's really where the battle is, isn't it? Like, is, is God love? Does God love me? Is is He on my side? Uh, does, is He for me? You know, and I, I spent years thinking the correct answer is yes, and then think um, on the outside, on the inside, like not really. 
you know, and and so it was like having like the uh, it was like having the uh, my loins girt about with falsehood, and, and and it was like having all these chinks in my armor. It was like being cold and somebody giving me the oversized doily instead of a blanket, and it's like okay, so. Uh, and it was, you know, it was this this continuous battle that lasted for years. It's like God doesn't really love you. God's not on your side. God's unhappy with you. Everybody around you knows some dreadful thing about you that no one that that you don't know, and, and God's just waiting for the chance to pounce on you with it. You know? And so does everyone else. They would love nothing better than to destroy you <laughs> and, and eject you from the church like the the rotten little troll that you are. You know. <laughs> You know, and it sounds that ridiculous when you say it out loud, because it is that ridiculous. But it doesn't feel like it right then. And so, this this burning, these burning arrows—that's typically a lot of what it is. God doesn't love you. God's not happy with you about something. You know, and uh, you know, I, I've talked to people. It's like, oh well, you know, it's like God's God's so unhappy. With me about what? Uh, well, I, I, I don't know. Or, or they'll give me some kind of answer that's a lot of words but nothing. Okay, good. Well, there you go. So, um, you know, if you're playing Clue, you have to you have to tell if if you want to win the game, you have to say it's like so and so. Killed Mr. Body in this room with this thing, and and if you don't say all that stuff, you didn't win, you know. And and if, exactly, and if you were wrong, and if you're wrong, then then you have accused someone falsely. And I, it's been so long since I played it, I don't remember what the penalty is, but it's bad. So you don't want to do that. So here in First Corinthians 13, he talks a little bit about about this love that he has for us. And I'm going to start in 7. I'm going to have to hurry. Of course, he's talking about love, that the agape, the love of God, that love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. I like how this verse starts out with, it's bookended with you know, two kind of words that are sort of redundant. Like, you know, bearing all things and enduring all things is kind of the same thing. Now, and I didn't really dig into the words to find out the difference or anything, but the idea is the same. That, um, you know, when, when you love your kids and they're crawling on your head when all you want to do is sit and relax, you bear all things. <laughs> you try not to turn into a bear. <laughs> um, Yep. And then you believe all things because you believe that someday they will be too big to do this. And you hope all things because you hope that they'll, they will get off of you. And you endure all things and let them crawl around on you because you love them. But, but you know, so, you know, we think, oh, I'm such a, just such a hot mess, such a big loser that, like, I can't, you know, God must be so frustrated with all of my issues and all of my stuff and 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 Bible says that he bears all things. And 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 not and he doesn't even need to to have you know hope or belief. He knows that I can fix this. I'm going to fix this. And and there is an appointed time 
for the things that God does in our life. Sometimes He's waiting on us to make a decision. Sometimes He's working on something and He's just waiting for the, the right day. You know, because I, I can tell you that Joseph wasn't in the dungeon trying to figure out what, you know, expecting the key to turn any day now and just figuring out, okay, now what do I need to do to get there? You know, you know, he was just waiting, thinking, this doesn't make any sense, but, but I know that this is what God told me. So, <laughs> uh, love never fails, which is awesome. Of course, you know, the Bible says that God is love, so. Whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, and I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. And when I became a man, I put away childish things. We get so worked up about how mature am I? Am I, you know, God must be so frustrated with with how immature I am, with how young I am, you know, and um, you know, Zoe is six, and I enjoy her being six, and I keep telling her, you need to not grow up. And in fact, I've made her promise, I've, I have attempted to make make her promise that she wouldn't, over and over and over again, and she always tells me, I can't, Dad. Kids just grow. <laughs> It's true. And, and she's like, but it's okay, Dad. I'm going to live here with you forever. It's like, that's right you are. That is right you are. So, I'm just not sure what I'm going to do with her plans to take over the world. So if you've seen the video, then you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, you should ask Heidi about it. But anyway. But I'm, I'm content with her being six and her understanding things like a six-year-old does most of the time. And because I'm not God after all. But I understand that when she grows up, she's going to put away childish things. You know, like, you know, Cynthia is not six and therefore behaves like an adult most of the time. And (laughs) totally kidding, totally kidding. Anybody has a couch? Let me know. I will be sleeping on it. No, no, but she she's she's an adult, right? So she behaves like an adult. She understands like an adult, and so it's a different thing. And so God understands where we are, and He's good with it. He's way more patient than we are, and it's a good thing He is. So for now. Uh, now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. And now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I also am known. So how well does God know you? Perfectly. Thank you, Mitch. Exactly. He knows us perfectly. And so maybe maybe right now we're in a place where we know His His acts and we haven't quite come to this place of knowing His ways yet. Okay. But I'm getting there. That's my goal. I'm I'm on the way there. And you know, have you ever you know well okay. When I was like a teenager, I drove so horrendously criminally fast and reckless everywhere I went. 
especially when I was going to see Cynthia because <laughs> it was it was like a sixty mile drive and um you know if I drove the speed limit, I might miss out on like five minutes of time with her, you know, before I needed to leave. So I drove like crazy, you know. Okay, fast forward till now, I'm 38, and I understand that I will get there when I get there. And if I, I can, I can stress out and tailgate people in front of me and and just be like, oh my god, come on. And, and like, you know, whip around them and then, you know, go 10, 15 miles over the speed limit to get where I'm going, but it's probably really not going to make much difference. And when I get there, I'm going to be frazzled and, and, and unhappy, and, and I'm, I can't just enjoy the journey. I can't just enjoy the drive. And so, it's like, so, you know, my goal is to, to see face-to-face to, and to know him as I'm known. And I may not be there right now, but that's that's okay. I'm, that's where I'm headed. That's what God is doing. That's what I'm seeking after. And so we have this seed in us that 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 grows up into these things. And so the, I love how he talks about this seeing, like seeing this obscured image in a mirror, because. You know, I I don't think my kids look all that much like me right now, but we uh, we got these old pictures, and there was this picture of me, my school picture from like kindergarten, and obviously Levi's a bit older, but it looks so much like him, it's uncanny. He looks like I did then, and then there was this picture of uh, of me when I was three, and I had a uh, a Kool-Aid stand out in the middle of nowhere where no one was ever going to drive by. I was out there with all of my hopes and dreams. Standing proudly next to the Kool-Aid stand that Mom made for me and the Kool-Aid that Mom made for me. And I was planning on sharing any of the profits with her, of course. But it looks so much like Jeremy did when he was that age. When I was in junior high, I met this guy that was a complete stranger, but he knew my dad when my dad was a teenager, and he knew who I was. I didn't tell him. He knew who I was. And so I realized, okay, my kids may not look that much like me now, but bless them, they're going to. And so my point is, maybe today you don't look all that much like him. Maybe the image you see in the mirror looks kind of like him, kind of like you. You know how it's like, oh, she has her mommy's eyes and her daddy's nose. Maybe you're somewhere in that in-between place. But but he, you can count on growing up into that place where you're going to look in the mirror and you're going to see him looking back at you. And and that's, that's what I'm thinking when I'm holding up the shield of faith. It's like, actually, I belong to him. And I have his seed inside of me, so I'm 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 good on the outside. I'm good on the inside. I, I've got I'm protected from the stuff you're throwing at me, and and what I've got inside of me is is him, and it's going to grow up into the very thing that he has intended for it to do. And of course, now by faith, hope, and love, these three, and the greatest of these is love. So, the 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 love of God. If I could sum up that that's how we defend ourselves with with the armor of God is that God loves us and and that that you know 
And, and, if, and if I could take it and make it a little bit more specific, kind of get rid of the, the, uh, the intellectual assent thing that, yes, of course, God loves all of us. God loves you. He loves you. Personally, individually, because He knows you. And, and everything that you are is precious to Him. And, and His intention for your life is not defeat. It, and his, it's victory. And, and that's, that's what He does in His people. And that's what, why, why we have this expectation of, of victory in our life. Because it's easy to think, oh, well, of course Heidi's going to have victory because she's Heidi. No. I know. And, <laughs> unless you're Heidi. No, and, and, and if, you know, like I've always said, if you don't like Heidi, then, you know, go away. Yeah. <laughs> then there, there's something dreadfully wrong with you. But, you know, but what about you? It's like, what about you? Like you know, it's like I, I still picture me and Mike sitting in the work van, driving around. Got Mike looking at me. Do you think that God's going to get you through successful at the end of the road? Well, the correct answer is yes. You know, it's like, well, actually, yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, because it's like, well, of course he's, you know, of course Mike's going to get to the end of the road successful. I have no no doubt about that. You know, but it's like, no, I am too, because because God has put that thing inside of me and his love is to me. And and he loves me more than he loves everybody else. Just a little bit. So so that's the thing that we do. So Jesus, we just thank you for your word and your love to us. And we just pray that you would uh fortify us with your word. God that we would uh prove the armor. Lord God David didn't go out in Saul's armor because he hadn't proved it. And God, we want to prove this armor, Lord Jesus. If we have not grown accustomed to uh, having these things on and, and learning to fight with them on, God, we just pray that you would bring us into that place of, of doing that very thing, God, and that that you would um, just touch us with a, a sense of that um, courage that comes from knowing that you love us. And that, that you are, are for us. God, David said that when my enemies came against me, they stumbled and fell. Yeah, and, that, uh, and he said, this I know, for God is for me. And Jesus, uh, today, God, we appreciate you being for us. God, we're grateful that you are for us. And we just pray that you would do in us what only you could do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.